The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hey, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is Eric Qualman, and he is the author of Socialnomics, Digital Leader, and What Happens in Vegas Stays on YouTube, all of which are very popular social media marketing books. Go to socialnomics.net to find out more. Eric, thank you for coming on the show. No, thanks for having me on. Eric, how did you get into social media? You know, it's interesting because my background, I've been in the e-commerce and digital space for a while. So I was back at Yahoo when they were really the Facebook of the day when it was small and everyone thought that Yahoo was the greatest thing on the planet. Um, so then I was really heavy into search engine marketing, um, was the head of marketing of TravelZoo, which is the top performing stock on the NASDAQ in 2005. Um, and then while I was at TravelZoo, all of a sudden I saw this new thing called MySpace and I said, man, this is going to revolutionize the way we do business, the way we live. Um, and that's why I started to really dig into social media um, and then started writing the book. So it was a, it's been a wild ride because I remember back in the day I used to speak on search. And all of a sudden my crowd started getting so small because I was speaking about social media and everyone thought it was just for teenagers. Um, and I actually lost one of my columns that I wrote for one of these blogs and because they didn't want me writing on social media, they wanted me to write on search. And they said social media is just for teenagers. So it's been a it's been a fun, wild, wild ride to see Facebook all, go all the way to one billion users um, just in such a short period of time. So it's been great. Great. Eric, the um, subtitle of your first book, Social Nomics, is how social media transforms the way we live and do business. So my first two questions are around that. How has social media changed the world as a whole, just people's lives in general, and how has it also changed the lives of business owners? Yeah, I mean, the thing I love about social media and how it's changed the world is that it really eliminates a lot of the time and distance that we run into. Um, so in theory and also in practice, it makes you better connected with the people in the real world. So you can never replace face-to-face, mm-hmm. but what it does, it helps to augment it. And we're social animals by nature, and that's why it's been so popular, all these tools because we've been waiting for these tools. We didn't know we needed them, but we've always been social animals by nature. And so if it allows us to connect us at a different level, uh, then, it, then it improves society to me. Um, and a couple ways it does that is obviously some of the, the more popular examples are if you look at the revolution that happened in the Middle East, specifically in Egypt. If you look at stuff that like out of Colombia, where they're going against the gorillas there, the, the frack, uh, where you have more than 10 million people on one day stand up and say, we're not going to take uh, the frack anymore um, across the globe. Or if you look at just kind of social media when it comes to Red Cross outreach, when there's a disaster in Japan, is that they're able to, to quickly mobilize people and also get funding to that area a lot faster than ever before just because of these tools. So to me, that's that's been a fantastic thing. Another item that's huge in my mind is just the elimination of multiple individual redundancy. Mm-hmm. So that if I can see that, that Joseph, that you like a particular hotel or that you you know you just completed your your will and testament, 
then if I have that access to that information, kind of what socialnomics is all about, then I don't have to do all that research and all that time-consuming crunching of data. I can just trust what my peers are selecting out there. So those are the two main reasons that I, I love social media in terms of how it's changed the world. In terms of how it's adjusting business and how it's really had massive changes on business is that for the last hundreds of years, the two main drivers of success for any business have been, number one, the talent that you get on your team or at your company, and then number two is word of mouth. Now, if we think about talent acquisition, when you think about a tool like LinkedIn, that's really changing the way we acquire talent, um, which is a good thing. It, it eliminates a lot of the, the fat that's out there and quickly gets the right people in the right seats. So the company wins and also the, the employee wins. Um, the second piece, the word of mouth, is really what my book's about. When you think about socialnomics, it's word of mouth on digital steroids. Or now word of mouth goes to world of mouth. Um, and so now the companies that produce the best product, that produce the best value, are the ones that win. Not the ones that happen to have the most money to buy advertising or the distribution points. Or if you think about politics, whoever controls the political party, it's the best candidate. It's the best business. It's the best product that ultimately wins. And so who wins? The consumer wins. Just as a side note there, you mentioned uh, quite a lot in your book about politics and a part of the reason why Obama came into office was no doubt because of his social media strategy. We're currently two weeks away from the next election, Eric. So any predictions around that? Any indications on social media as to what might happen? It's quite an even race, isn't it? Yeah, it's quite even, more even than I was expecting. Mm -hmm. uh, so Romney's had a big push here in the last couple of weeks. And so unfortunately, I haven't dug in as much this time around. Uh, as I did looking at the big data the last time around where I could see that Obama had a pretty strong chance to beat Hillary in the primaries. Yeah. So I, it's anybody's guess right now. So I unfortunately haven't been digging into the data as much this time around. But uh -huh. like you mentioned, my last book that came out this year, Digital Leader, digs into the fact that digital leaders are made. They're not born. Mm -hmm. And so even if you're someone like a Howard Schultz that was the founder and CEO of Starbucks and was the chairman of the board for the last several years. And then in 2008, when he came back, he realized that the world had shifted, that technology had changed the way we communicate and interact, not only amongst ourselves, but amongst the co company and the customer. And so he's really morphed Starbucks in himself. He's morphed into a digital leader. Historically, he was just a traditional leader, but now he's a digital leader. And he's changed the whole culture of Starbucks from really being a coffee shop to now they're a digital company. And oh, by the way, they sell coffee. In the book, you talk a fair bit about how it's changed the world of business. And that's what I really wanted to, to ask you about today, Eric, because a lot of the listeners of this podcast are business owners and they're looking to get out there on social media. So I know that you talk about how companies can use social media to listen and then respond. So can you give us some examples of how we as businesses can use social media in that way? Yeah, definitely. The key is to listen, interact, react, and then sell. So it's really listen, what's being said about my product, my service, my brand, me as the CEO, me as the founder. The second thing is to interact. They want to hear from you, the company, and they want to hear from an individual in the company. So the better you can use your own personal name, the better off you'll be. The third piece is really the reaction piece, and this is where most companies drop the proverbial ball 
from a standpoint of they might listen and they might interact on social media, but if 90% of your customers are telling you that they don't like something about your product and service, or conversely, if 85% of people say they love something about your product and service, are you doing something today to change the way your product or your company functions? And so think about the world's largest focus group. And so that's where you can really achieve greatness as a company is if you do that reaction piece. Then the fourth piece, which is what we're most interested in as a company, is really selling, right? We want to increase our sales. Um, and if you were to sell first, which most of us, it's human nature and also from a business standpoint, that's what we want to do first. It's not going to work. And many companies have showcased and proven and learned that it doesn't work selling first on social media. And that makes sense when you think about it because social media is less about technology and more about relationships, more about engagement. And so if you looked at an offline example to where if you went to a cocktail party and walked up to four people you didn't know, they were having a great conversation and said, excuse me, can I interrupt you and tell you why I'm great for the next five minutes and pass out my business card? That would not go over well in the offline world, and it doesn't work in the digital world. So it's all about listen, interact, react, and then sell. Um, and then you can have a tremendous amount of success doing that. So that's specifically about your own products and services and getting feedback. But could you also do the same for the market in general? Let's just say that you were creating a new product. Could you use social media in the same way to do some market research, not just about your products and services, but about the market as a whole? Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what I talk a lot about with the Fortune 500 companies is that what you should do for certain is either weekly or monthly or it could even be daily if you have a lot of activity going on. If you're like a JetBlue or a, or a Starbucks that has a lot of information that's coming in at you is, but let's say just a weekly report. I call them listening reports. And so you use all this analytical tools to capture this, this data. But at the end of the day, as an executive, you kind of want it out of one to two pages just to showcase, here's what's being positively said about us, here's what's being negatively said. So it's a it's a summary of everything that's happening out there. And obviously, from a product standpoint, you use that to your advantage to change how your product functions, the product development cycle, um, if you're doing it properly. And then also, you mentioned a very good point, is that not only should you do that listening report for yourself, but you should do it for really your top two competitors to understand where are they doing things well? Where are they kind of misstepping? And also any product information that you can glean from, from their customers and potential prospects as well. How has social media meant that uh, businesses have no choice but to be transparent? I mean, this is the beautiful thing for the customer is that on the flip side, the customer does the exact same thing. When you think about you going to buy a product, you listen. What can I expect from this product or service? Then you actually interact. You use that product and service. And then you react based on your expectation of that product and service. Is your reaction good or bad? Now, the fourth piece gets to your question. This is the new thing is that now the customer can sell for or against you using all these tools like YouTube and Facebook and Pinterest and Twitter. And so a good example of that is full transparency was with the United Airlines when they had a gentleman that had his guitar damaged. And over the course of a year with United Airlines, all he wanted was that guitar to be fixed for the company to pay for that guitar. And they said, you know, go away, kind of old school mentality of we're not going to pay for your guitar. Uh, the difference is in today's day and age is that this guy, Dave Carroll, decided he goes, I'm a musician. I'm going to write a song about my experience. I'm going to post it on YouTube. So he writes a song called United Breaks Guitars, and he posts it on YouTube. It has close to 14 million hits today. 
He also has a book called United Breaks Guitars. And the day that YouTube video launched, United reached out to him and gave him a brand new guitar. So they didn't save any money from doing this, from, from not buying it from the get-go. And so that's, that's a thing to look at from a standpoint, and that's why it demands full transparency of these companies, is that now customers can hold them accountable in a public forum. Yeah, good for him, and that's a, a great story. I bet now, to be honest, that they just wish they just got it right from the beginning, first time around, rather than having to learn the hard way and get all that bad press. No, you're exactly right, and you'd think that that example is, I guess, man, it's probably four years old now, and mm. I could go into a hundred different examples, and so you'd think that every company would get it. they go, okay, we got it. It's a fully transparent world. But then all of a sudden you see Nokia just a month ago where they launched their new phone, and they're trying to compete with Android and the iPhone. It's a very fierce competition, mm-hmm. and they've got this new capability that they're really happy about in terms of if you're the video on the phone, if, you shake, if you're shaking, let's say you're riding a bike and it's shaking, that it keeps the video still. And so their traditional commercial, their TV commercial, showcases a young couple riding bikes and the guy's filming the girl, and it shows a right pane and a left pane, one with the old technology and it's shaking around, and then the left side showing here's the new technology and it's crystal clear and it's not shaking. Mm-hmm. But during that commercial shoot or during the 30-second commercial, the young couple rides by a, a truck that has a, a mirror, a glass or glass on it, a reflection on it. And so someone that watched the video, the TV commercial, slowed the frame by frame, and they noticed something interesting in the reflection. And what they noticed was there was a van with a mounted camera and a high-definition camera that was mounted within the van. So it turns out that Nokia wasn't shooting that video that was still with their phone. Yeah. They're actually shooting it with a high-definition mounted camera in a van. And so they had to come out and apologize for that. So that's what we mean by companies being held accountable and it's full transparency. You think that everyone would get it, but obviously that only happened a month ago that yeah. not everyone's uh, gotten that memo. I guess if they didn't learn their lesson, then we should. We should definitely make sure that we're as transparent as we can be towards our audience. Another thing I wanted to ask you about, Eric, was how can social media help our customers and audience go from being just people watching us or being bystanders to actually becoming active participants? I mean, if you look at stuff like IdeaStorm, which was out of, um, I think it was out of Dell, Dell's IdeaStorm, where they're taking solicitation from customers, and then Starbucks saw that, and so Howard Schultz met with Michael Dell and said, how'd you do this? So then he set up something similar where they could take input from the customers. It, it works both ways. The great companies do want that input, and then the good customers also want to provide it because they want to help you make the product better. And so it's really a fun thing to watch in terms of that relationship to where you're now demanding as a customer a relationship with that company, and the good companies also understand they're demanding a relationship from that customer. Um, and what I talk to good companies as well is a two-way street is that sometimes you have to fire your customer. If it's not a good customer, sometimes you gotta you got to kind of get rid of that fat so that you can focus on your best customers. How can businesses tap into social media to be able to spot trends? Yeah, you know, you hear a lot about big data, um, and big data has always been around, but now it's getting to be ginormous data with all the tweets that are going on and um, obviously all the posts of Facebook. And there's 72 hours of video on YouTube uploaded every minute. So that's insane when you think about that. 72 hours uploaded every minute on YouTube is that if you understand how to call that big data to make it actionable data, 
Um, so how you can spot those trends and figure out, okay, this is how we're going to move forward with this. Then you can use it as a business. So circling back and using what you talked about earlier about the Barack Obama campaign, there's little stuff you can use it for in terms of if you see how many people on Google are searching for Barack versus Obama and there's three to one searches for Obama, then you're going to make your sign say Obama instead of Barack. And you can apply that obviously for your product name and service. So you can help with little things like product naming to figure out what actually people search on or what they're posting on Twitter, what they're indicating on, on YouTube. Um, so that's fascinating stuff. Another quick example of how to use this data is if you look at the spread of the flu, so the virus, the flu, historically in, in the United States, the way they tracked the spread of the flu was out of the Center for Disease Control, the CDC out of Atlanta. And the way they did this was how many prescriptions were being written by doctors. So that was good. It was a good system, but it was actually like a six-week lag. Then they realized, wait, a better way to do it is to look at the searches. So where are people searching for the flu or influenza, key terms that are centered around the flu? So all of a sudden that takes that six-week and makes it kind of one- to two-day turnaround. Then they realize, wait, what's better than Google searches? What's happening on Twitter real-time? Mm-hmm. Who's posting on Twitter about the flu and influenza and questions? And so you can kind of apply that concept, the spread of the flu, to anything you do in business in terms of being able to spot those trends. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. My final question is you say in your book that social media brings about braggadocian behavior. I was wondering, first of all, what that is and what it means, um, but also how can that concept help a business? Yeah, no, I mean, so the term braggadocian behavior is just really a made-up term for the book, but it's really that we all, at an individual level and at a company level, we love to brag about what we're doing. And what outlet enables you to do that better than anything else? Tools like Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube, and Pinterest saying, hey, look at me, this is what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And the way to take advantage of that, and so just a quick example, is that if you see on Facebook that your friend posted, wow, I'm going to the Olympics in London, I've got tickets second row for the beach volleyball with Misty May and Carrie Walsh. And all of a sudden, the person that reads that, the friend is sitting on their couch watching reruns of Saved by the Bell, then they're going to get off their couch most likely and go, i got to do something cool. i got to go whitewater rafting or do something that, that, that showcases that I'm out there and, and I can brag about it. And the way that companies can take advantage of that is providing products and services and also information that does it. It's not about the company looking cool. It's about the individual that they're giving that to looking cool. So what product and service can you supply to the the individual to where they're happy and excited to showcase, wow, I love this product, and this is part of who I am. This is who I identify. This is how part of my personal brand is that I use these products. And so that's getting back to the the thing we discussed earlier in terms of you're developing relationships with companies and with brands. And so it's up to you to make sure that you listen to your main constituents so you're able to figure out What's of most interest to them? Um, it's kind of that old concept from Dale Carnegie is that if you want to get followers on Twitter, then it's not about getting them interested in you. It's figuring out what interests that potential follower. And you'll get more followers in two days than you will in two months if you focus more on being interested rather than being interesting. An example of that perhaps would be like the release of the iPhone 5 and everyone is on social media saying, hey, I just got the iPhone 5. It's really cool. 
and uh, basically just you know showing off. Is that uh, is that why people do that? And obviously, that's um, this is good news for Apple. Yeah, by all means. I mean, by humans, by nature, there's if there's a line, they're gonna go queue up in it to figure. Then they'll figure out what late, later what the hell they're standing in line for. <laughs> but but yeah, that's that's important. That's a good example. The iPhone five because with the Samsung Galaxy three, I think it is now out at least in the United States, you're starting to see now finally a shift to where, like, who's cooler? You know, if all of a sudden now that I have the iPhone 5, am I not cool because I don't have the Android Galaxy 3? Mm-hmm. Um, and so now you have two really competitive products in the marketplace. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Absolutely. I think the same thing is happening over here, Eric. Apple have dominated for a really long time, but now some of the competition are starting to step in, which... I think ultimately can only be a good thing. So, Eric, look, thank you for today's interview. It's been absolutely brilliant. Where can we go to get your books? Yeah, no, you can get Socialnomics or my latest digital leader, and you can get them online. So you can get them on Amazon or, or your online place, Destination Choice, Barnes & Noble. You can also get any major uh, bookstore. And then also, if you prefer the audio versions, there are audio versions out there on both of those as well. And obviously there's Kindle and, and iPad versions also, if that's what your preference is. Uh, but if you do read the book, please send me your feedback, whether you like it or hate it. Um, that feedback only makes the next book stronger. And there's a revised edition of Socionomics that's coming out in the next couple of weeks as well. Uh, so hopefully you guys that are listening can reach out to me and let me know what you like and what you don't like. Great. And uh, do you have a main website where people can go read about you and stay subscribed, see your content? Yeah, if you go to socialnomics.com, that has everything that you'll ever need. And uh, then if you ever need to reach out to me, I'm Equal Man across the board, Equal Man on Twitter, Equal Man on Yahoo, Equal Man on Gmail. Great. That's the end of today's show. Thanks for tuning in. And thank you once again, Eric, for coming on the show. Thanks, Joseph. And congratulations on all your success. I know you got quite a number of followers on Twitter and, and, and everywhere on Facebook. So it's fantastic to see all your success. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. The Online Marketing Show, every day with Joseph Bushnell, helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money.